Okay, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Thursday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day and week it is that you choose to join us. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about this idea of visualization. It's the way to get something without having to go through the years of experiencing it. It's the shortcut. It's the hack. of how to get our minds primed for becoming something that we otherwise have no path for. Like, just to, like, talk this through for a second. Like, if you are, if you struggle with um, confidence, right, in, in, if social situations get to you. So every time you're in a social situation, you're fighting it. You're in the game. So it's going to be really hard and really long to start to overcome social situations. Now, there's a concept called exposure. It's a whole world. And you need to. But if you, if you begin in social situations and expect to grow incrementally, wonderful. But the time and the, the pain, so to speak, if you're having such a hard time throughout this process is is long. But if you're able to imagine yourself as more confident and literally picture the room, we'll talk today a little bit about that, and give your brain something that it could opt into as a potential choice when you walk in that room, now it sees an alternative. People that are uncomfortable doing things, when they are about to do it, they're thinking of it in the worst possible way. They're thinking about all things that can go wrong. But when you're imagining it, and you're imagining even those things going wrong, but you are still excelling, what happens is, is that your brain starts to say, hey, wait a second, like, there's another way. This could work. So then when you get in the room, your brain's like, I've been here. I had this, if you remember, and for those of you who read the book, I tell a, I tell a story that happened to me when um, I was at some conference a while ago. And the, the one, of, one of the heads of the conference called me like crazy hour in the morning, I remember. Or night. It, was, it wasn't a normal phone call. At first, I was like, did I do something wrong? Like, I just spoke that, like, and he asked me for some advice in terms of speaking. And so I didn't really have a lot of, a lot of advice for speaking for him. I never really heard him speak before. But I tried to teach him this. Where, and I wasn't really teaching him. I was just sharing with him. What do I know? And what he did was, it was pretty cool. What he did was, he actually visualized his closing speech. But not like, like, that's cool. Not in 30 seconds or less. Like, he literally went through it. Getting on the podium. Speaking. The jokes. The lines. The reaction. I can, his eyes closed. I can, I can almost see him wincing at different parts of it. 
And in his brain, he worked it out. And then he did it again. And then I left and he did it again and again. And he said it really helped. And I'm sure he's been doing it since. It's not mine. It's, it's sciences. It's really God's, but science recently articulated it in a way for us to understand it. The brain could visualize something. And the more detailed the vision, the more the brain starts firing all these different neurological connections that create these little maps. And the more the vision is clean, clear, you can picture it there. He was wincing. His eyes were closed in a hotel room and he was wincing. He was like in the speech. He was imagining the joke that bombed, right? You're not going to be emotional if you're not living in it. We all know that just thoughts can make you really emotional, right? I forgot who was telling me this. Somebody was somewhere in Israel recently. I don't remember when they thought that, I think like maybe a month ago in Israel, these, these um, terrorists broke out of jail. And I, I remember hearing somebody saying that they were somewhere, like in a restaurant or a wedding or something. And for a moment, they thought that the terrorists may have been either in there or around there. Lockdown, whatever. And the panic. It was just a thought. No, no one saw the terrorists. Just a thought. It was a, you heard it and it went to your brain. And then afterwards, they realized that it was a false error and they weren't anywhere near and everything was fine. And the emotional swing for something that wasn't even true. They weren't there. But just the thought that they were there, right? Just the, just, you know, we say it, just the thought that they were there caused an emotional reaction because it was real. You can like picture it. Someone says, God forbid, there's a terrorist loose. You're like picturing where they are and what they can do. It's real. You're imagining the scenario. Well, when you do that for your life, which is hard because it takes time, when we do this for our lives, we start to imagine scenarios that we're going into before we go into them. If they're real, we'll feel it. And along the way, our brain starts to learn What is the optimal way to act? You can picture yourself walking into your home. You can picture what your home may be looking like before you get there. You can picture yourself being above whatever pettiness comes your way. And picture how you would act with more dignity, with more class, with more generosity. Even before you walk in the room. And so then when you walk in the room and there's chaos 
or someone disappoints, your brain's like, whoa, we practice this. Hold on. Use that swing. No, no, no. Go with that one. And you move a little closer. A little closer to the dignity. A little closer to the way you wanted to act. What ends up happening is you walk away and someone says to you, this happened recently negatively just between me and you. Whatever. No question, whatever. I reacted to something that somebody felt was not nice enough. And the response to me was, you know, I expected more. Now, I don't think it was not nice between us. And sometimes when, especially in the business context, people are not delivering on their word. Sometimes it doesn't always have to be like, no problem. But I guess the way I gave it over, it, I guess it wasn't right. And when they said that to me, I was so hurt by that feedback because what they were saying was, I didn't expect it out of you. And again, I don't think it was a big deal. I think they were super sensitive. Truth is, I think that they're used to getting away with whatever they want. That's what I really think. And when someone like pushes a little bit, it's like a big deal, but that's just between me and you. But either way, the lesson is the lesson. As soon as they said that to me, I was so thrown because in my identity was... Was it, it, my identity and my actions conflicted. And you never want to conflict with your identity. The identity for who you are and who you want to be and how you want to act. When that conflicts with who, what you do, it, 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 it gets you at a, at a deeper level. So your identity changes because of your actions, but really your identity changes because of your mind. Your mind says, let's be bigger. Your mind says, how do I do it better? And that's by the way, but I, afterwards that conversation, I'm thinking like, what could I have done better? Not because someone made me, but because it messed with my identity. So the secret is that we can create our identity. We can decide what is our identity. We don't have to be bound by yesterday's identity. We don't have to be bound by who I was a day ago. Every single morning, we wake up in the morning. God gives us back our soul. Every single morning, we wake up and we say a prayer. I stand before the King of Kings, the great eternal King. You gave, you gave me back my soul, which means that there was a moment in my sleep of which a part of my soul wasn't in me, which means I am reborn every single morning, which means that if yesterday I acted a certain way, it doesn't mean I acted today the same way. I'm not the same person spiritually. I was given back my soul. So why do I got to be the same person cognitively? I 
So I can choose my identity. Will it be easy? No, because I got tons of neuroplasticity coming against me. But can I choose my identity? You better believe I can. Can I change how I see myself? Yeah. Will it get hard when I hit that emotional wall? Yeah. Will I probably fall back 20 times? Yeah. Doesn't change that I'm changing. That's what that's why change is hard because you have a lot of neuroplasticity against it. Really, it's really neuroconnections, but you have a lot in your brain cutting against your new identity. But it doesn't mean your new identity is real. It doesn't mean that you can't make a decision and stick with it. It's just hard. You're adding new neural connections and you've got a lot of old ones, but it doesn't mean we have to define ourselves by who I was yesterday. So when I wake up in the morning and I want to be somebody, I don't know how to be that person because I was never that person. Yesterday wasn't that person. So what do I do? Well, here's what I do. I imagine being that person. And by imagining being the person I want to be, now it feels more normal. And if I keep on imagining it, at some point, I'm going to walk in and get close to it. And at some point, that's going to feel closer to who I am. And then I will have upgraded my identity so that over time, somebody can say, hey, that's actions wrong. And I will feel defensive about it. Because it's not who I am. And so when we talk about the negativity in our lives, we have to remember that the, maybe the most powerful way to get around that negativity is to change our identity. What do you think of that? Witness protection program. That's how you, fought, that's how you get away from the criminals. Right? How do you avoid the bad guys? I don't know if they still have the, I'm sure they do, but I don't know. Growing up, that's everyone was always in the witness protection program. That's how like every movie ended, like as a kid. Like some good guy. But that, that's not how it ended. That was like the, the second to last scene before the bad guy got killed. Right. The second to last scene was they were packing up to go to, you know, Las Vegas, for Las Vegas was like a regular city to like live in like some corner somewhere. And then they ended up killing the bad guy. The witness protection program. I don't know what that program is, but it's gotta be awesome. It's gotta have special ops in it or I always wonder like how it works out with his protection. And if anyone works with his protection, that's watching like what to do, do. They give you like a beard. Like how does it, how do they not now it's probably much harder, but I guess back then, I guess you just left the state and like, you didn't take your phone number that was attached to the wall and there was no other way to reach you. Like I guess pre, I guess pre-internet, like when you left your house, there was no way of reaching you. So like, they just like gave you a new name and made up some story and, I don't know, bought you some new clothes and usually went to some like warm place, right? It was always like in Arizona, right? They were always going to like Arizona, Las Vegas, Hawaii. No one ever does witness protection in Alaska unless it's really bad. Unless you get a run really far. Unless, unless it's like real bad stuff. Then they put you in then they put you like in Alaska. So you know how you get away from the bad guys? You change your identity. You now you get away from the bad negativity in your life. Maybe change your identity. It's not you anymore. You think this is crazy? In some ways, this is how Yom Kippur works. This is how Yom Kippur works, I believe. If I remember correctly. You're a different person. And so these sins, that's actually how Rosh Hashanah works. 
when you go into Rosh Hashanah and you proclaim God King, you're, you're in a way like a different person. So the Yom Kippur is the cleanup. The foundation of the old building was destroyed by accepting the kingship of God. And now the building just collapsed. So all the sins now just get cleaned up, which is why you go into Yom Kippur and just clean up. It's not you. It's a new person, a new year. So the stuff doesn't even apply to you. So you just clean it out and clean it out and clean it out. But it's not, not the same person. Let's think about this for a second. Let's think about this. There's no show tomorrow. But the whole God's up. We'll do, we're going to do a um, timeless lesson tomorrow if you're interested. But there's no show tomorrow. But we'll get we'll get back on Monday. With God's help. Think about this. Maybe the way to get away from the negativity is not by fighting it. It's by changing my identity. And now it's not even shy for me. It's not even uh, appropriate for me. I'm not that type of mom. I'm not that dad. I'm not that family member. I don't care. About, I, I don't. I don't get lost in the pettiness. I don't. I'm not that type of person that like is going to get. I'm not. I'm not sitting. I'm not. That's not who I am. It's who I was. It's not who I am. I. I it just. It's not who I am. Think about it. All right. Have an amazing weekend. Thank you. With God's help, I cannot wait. See you again next week. Have a great weekend. Shabbat shalom.